Okay. For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Gregory entitled Bible Mysteries. been said that everyone loves a mystery. We have uncounted books, movies, plays, TV stories devoted to their time in creating or solving mysteries. The Bible also has a lot to say about Bible mysteries. We open to our first reference here in the book of Luke, chapter 8, in verse 10, Jesus is responding to the disciples' request about a parable he had just given. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. Now, Jesus had a number of other things to say about mysteries. And this word mystery is an English word from the Greek mysterion, and it only occurs in the New Testament. It occurs 22 times in English as a noun, and five times as an adjective. 17 references are by the Apostle Paul, Two are by Jesus, and the Apostle John has three in the book of Revelation. So Paul has three as an adjective, and two, Jesus as an adjective. So four times Jesus spoke about this Bible mysteries. And there are other scriptures, I'm not going to go into all of the uh, 27 references that we have uh, in the the Bible, but... uh, I'm going to look at a few to help us better understand what Jesus was saying. Then this is a great principle that he was laying out here that uh, uh, is more fully explained by the Apostle Paul and some of the other uh, references that I mentioned. Our first reference is uh, one of the early references by the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians. And as he progressed through some of the different writings of some of the different churches and the epistles or letters, he advances this uh, concept of mysteries. In fact, in two of the prison epistles, uh, six times in the book of Ephesians and four times in the book of Colossians, he refers and expounds and explains more fully what Jesus indicated that some understand and some don't, but to the disciples, to the believers, to the saints, it's given to know those mysteries. And we'll talk about that a little more later on. But I want to go to 1 Corinthians, the uh, second chapter here, and uh, verse uh, 6 through 8, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, chapter 6, chapter 2, verse 6, verses 6 through 8. Okay, let me get there, uh, chapter 2. I know I can read it on the wall up there, but uh, I like to turn to these in my Bible. 
where I have them marked, but um, Paul is saying here that howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world that came to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. And so he has given us a great mystery that the princes of the world didn't know. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, as he says here in the beginning, early introduction of his writings in the book of Corinthians here. Let's go to Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And I'll just take uh, uh, one verse here because we refer to this quite a few times and uh, Steve likes to talk about the resurrections here in 1 Corinthians 15, but we'll just look at uh, verse uh, 51 in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And so this is one of the mysteries is the resurrection and the change. And we'll see that a little later and more about different mysteries that are also, even though they're expressed by different words, they have a same concept, an overlapping theme. And Jesus introduced that in the uh, parables there that we saw uh, in Luke and a few of the other Gospels, you can go take your concordance and check out some of those uh, references. But let's go now to a little later writing of the Apostle Paul to the book of uh, Romans. And uh, we'll back up here a little bit. Uh, even though Romans was written after Corinthians, we want to go to Romans, the 16th chapter, and uh, verse uh, 25 and 26. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Now I want to go back and... Uh, read a definition here from uh, Vine's Concordance to help us a little better understand what he's talking about. It's a revelation, not just something that's kept a secret like with uh, initiation rites, like some agencies and uh, organizations and uh, some churches have a secret uh, rite of initiation into their mysteries. But this is a revelation, this is a, a, a revealing of information from that God is kind of hidden and revealed to a few, but now he's revealing it to more. And uh, Vines takes this definition from the Greek. It denotes that which, being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension, can be made only by divine revelation and is made known in a manner and at a time appointed by God and to those who are illuminated by his spirits. So in an ordinary sense, we see that uh, this word mystery implies knowledge that's withheld but revealed to a few. And in the scriptural sense, 
we see that it is a truth revealed. So I want to keep that in mind here as we go through this, that God has some mysteries, but he's revealed those, he's given the knowledge of those to certain ones. And uh, he has given that knowledge to more in the New Testament times than he did in the Old Testament times. And a lot of this was kept hidden, kept secret from the foundation of the world. Even before the world was created, God had a plan and a purpose. And he decided, we'll see that a little later, he decided that he was going to progressively reveal his plan and his purpose to a few as they went through. So let's go back in Romans to the 11th chapter, verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, Therefore shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I shall take away their sins. So this is a mystery to somehow that God in Old Testament, we'll, we'll talk about Old Testament times before the time of Jesus, that he was dealing with Israel and continues in a physical, national sense to deal with Israel. This is a great puzzle to many. Well, why did God... Uh, do that with that nation and what about the rest of the nations did he ignore them well there were times when he uh, we know from scriptures uh, of the Old Testament that he intervened uh, there were times that he worked with individual Gentile leaders there were a few that he selected but much of that was through Israel and that's still a mystery until we in New Testament times through the writings of the Apostle Paul begin to understand what he was doing and why that was a mystery and why now he's revealing that to certain ones. So let's go to the book of Ephesians. As I said, he uses uh, six times in the book of Ephesians to explain and to elaborate on the uh, concept here that we're talking about mysteries and four times in the book of Colossians. But we're just going to, for time's sake, look at a couple of references from Ephesians. And I want to go to Ephesians, the first chapter, verse uh, 9. Now, we've been going through Ephesians in our Bible studies, but uh, those of us who've been studying this verse by verse know that there's some long sentences of many verses in the book of Ephesians. So sometimes you... to glean all of the different things that he's saying. You have to just isolate it and bring it about and, and section it out, some of these long sentences. But we'll look at this one sentence here, beginning uh, in, um, and it's a continuation of a sentence, but we'll get in verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So there's a lot in there, and I'm not going to explain all of that verse because it talks about predestination and dispensation and God's purpose and his pleasure. And uh, in the book of Ephesians, this little word all, this little, little bitty word, he uses it 50 sometimes. So it's a great, powerful, important word even to search out. But we're talking here about this mystery, and here he refers to it as the mystery of his will according to his purpose, and this is, he begins to give us an insight here, how he brings the Jew and the Gentile into one body, into the church of God. And that's a great mystery to some, how that God is now working, not through just nations, but through the church. And he is bringing all into this and revealing to more and more in all nations, all over this earth, a few select ones, here and there for now. And we'll see how he's advancing this. First from a few in the Old Testament, basically to the, the nation of Israel that uh, didn't really follow through with what he expected them to do. Then with a few individuals and a few Gentiles. Then in Christ, began to open it up to a lot more individuals like you and I. So let's go on now into the book of Ephesians to chapter 3. And... Uh, Let's uh, look here in chapter 3. Uh, we'll begin in verse 2. want to go through um, uh, 2 through 12. So here again, we've got some long sentences to deal with, but uh, concepts here that are very important and would be good to sometimes on your own, just take, uh, if you haven't done this, and probably many of you have, taken the book of Ephesians and just sit down and go through it uh, verse by verse. If... You have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words. So before I wrote to you, he's referring back to his earlier uh, writings, a few verses in chapter 1, and some, maybe some of the other epistles that he might have been referring to that had circulated among the Ephesian churches, but basically he's referring back to what he had written a few verses before in chapter 1. Whereby, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that this is, this, is, this is the mystery that is being revealed now that the world didn't understand, but now God is revealing it more and more, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore, or whereof, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me, by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, 
that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. And so he more clearly now tells us and shows us that this mystery is the church of God, the body of Christ. It's what God is revealing now, not only that is made known by the church to the church, but by the church to others. So God is showing and working through individuals in the body of Christ to reach out to others, to expand and to bring more and more into this not just Jew, this is not a, we're not a Jewish synagogue, we're not a Jewish congregation, we're not a Jewish organization, we're not a Gentile organization, we're not a Gentile group, we are the church of God, Jew and Gentile, both in one, combined into the church of God. And so Paul spends a lot of time in Ephesians on this uh, concept and this uh, point, in fact, um, I didn't know if he was going to go there in the first message when Ken was talking about the marriage, about the man and wife and the relationship. And just a few verses on, he says that the relationship between the man and the woman is a mystery in the relation between the church and Jesus Christ. And the marriage is taking place there, the engagement and the marriage and the relationship between Christ and the church is a mystery, he says. But just as the husband and wife relationship and the wife to the husband and the husband to the wife is to be carried forth into the church and to Christ and Christ to the church, this is a mystery and, and a lot of folks don't understand that. But uh, let's uh, continue on now to uh, uh, Colossians and one of the uh, prison epistles that was written about uh, 62, four of, four of these books that were written at that time for these letters, and Paul uh, has four references here in Colossians, but we'll only look at one of them, and that's in the uh, first chapter, and uh, verse uh, 20. Uh, well, I need to go back to, wow. Okay, 21, we, we want verse uh, 26, I had written down uh, verse uh, 26, but the sentence starts here in verse 21. And you, that's us, you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, that if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is 
under heaven, excuse me, and like I've said before, reading some of these in my Bible is overwritten and I'll have to see what words are, which is under heaven, where Paul am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for this, for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of this mystery among you, Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereinto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. And so once again here, he's explaining very clearly this mystery that he's been talking about is the church of God, the body of Christ, Christ in us, that we are in him and he in us, and this is a new thing that is uh, uh, being worked on and God's main purpose uh, through uh, his dealing with mankind. Now, in uh, 1 Timothy, the third chapter, and verse 9 and 16, another reference here, 1 Timothy 3, 9, we just see a reference here, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And verse 16 and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. A lot of those things concerning Jesus Christ. And according to, we see here the, the reference to the mystery of faith and the mystery of godliness. And... Uh, he talks uh, many times, we'll, we'll list some of those other mysteries that we're not going into all of those verses. But there's one that I want to draw our attention to, and that is in uh, Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, back up a little bit here, to Second uh, Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse 2, and verse 7. This is one of those mysteries that trouble us, but he said here, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. And so, the mystery of iniquity. What is that? What is that mystery? It was beginning to work even in Paul's day. And we know that his reference is later to a an organization to a church to leaders that were coming into the church that were afflicting the church that were setting up a pseudo church a false church a counterfeit church and that is called the mystery of iniquity we'll talk about that later in revelations he refers to it as mystery babylon the religion mystery babylon the great the mother the the great whore uh, a great church, a great false church. We don't want to go through all those verses now, but uh, you can uh, see in Revelation 
those uh, references there with your concordance. There is one scripture that I want to uh, look at while we're here in Revelation, or reference to that, and that is in Revelation, the 10th chapter, and verse 7. And he says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, that's ahead of us, a time just shortly ahead in the prophecy, when these angels are going to be blowing those trumpets, and at the last trumpet, something great is going to happen. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared to his servants the prophets. So you go back through the Old Testament prophets, and they gave indication of this time that's ahead of us. So the great transition that's coming. And we're told even by writers, and Paul referred to it a little earlier there, where even the angels, and I didn't uh, bring the reference, desire to look into the things that God is doing. They don't fully understand what God is doing in prophecy with Israel and with the church and how that has replaced now his overall dealings with Israel, and yet he's still dealing with the nations and with Israel. But this is a puzzle to the, to the, even to the angels, and they're looking into this and trying to understand what, some, what God has revealed to us. Now, the mystery of the seventh angel, when it sounds, will be finished. There won't be any longer any need for the ministry, for the mystery because of this. When Christ comes and is here for a thousand years <clears throat> and sets up his millennial rule and reign, then we know that all the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, right? That everyone will be given an opportunity. Everyone will be evangelized as we have uh, rule of those ten cities. I was laughing uh, to myself a little bit last week about Steve and his message on Zion and how he's going to be in Zion. I was wondering, Steve, where are you going to be in those ten cities? You know, God has promised us different cities and uh, we can go to Zion because Christ is going to be there and that's where the saints and God's authority and power of the manliness of Jesus Christ from there. But we're going to be out in the world somewhere where God determines where we're best fitted to evangelize and to be teaching them. And so ultimately, after a few uh, generations, a few uh, years, when the knowledge of the gospel spreads to this whole world because Christ is in control. He's not going to tolerate any of this false religions and false uh, ideologies and wars and confusion. He's going to be teaching the world for a thousand years. Then, after that, we know, according to the plan and purpose of God that's revealed through the holy days, that the second resurrection, the great white throne judgment, when God is going to, like a little millennial time of a thousand years down to evidently a hundred year period, uh, is once again going to give all those resurrected and brought up an opportunity to hear the truth. So we'll be teaching and expanding uh, the gospel outreach and the church of God to them as well. So this mystery will be finished. We won't have to have a, a mystery because the whole world will begin to begin to come into the church of God. And then the millennium will, will be finished. And then 
uh, the uh, second resurrection when the world will be coming into the church. So that's why it's going to be finished, why there won't need to be kept a secret or a mystery that's hidden from mankind. We'll be explaining and revealing it by the church, through the church, to them. Now, uh, I'd like to review a few references because we've touched on a few, but we haven't touched on all of them. And the scriptures refer to uh, mystery in this way, as the gospel, the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom of God. We saw that in uh, part of Jesus' uh, reference to mysteries, when he used that adjective of a plurality. The mystery of the resurrection. That's a puzzle to some. They don't fully understand how that's going to happen and how we can leave this mortal body and become spirit being. And that's going to happen. Behold, I can show you a great mystery. Paul said, the res- talking about the resurrection, how we put on a new body, a new um, appearance, not just restricted to this physical flesh. The mystery of faith, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of God, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of the church, the mystery of Israel, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of his will, the mystery of iniquity. We saw those. Now, I just want to call our attention briefly as we study this and we go through. Look at that little preposition of and what it tells us. It tells us a couple of things, uh, among others. It tells us that... uh, the mystery is about the mystery of godliness. It's about godliness. The mystery of Christ, it's about Christ. The mystery of the Gentiles, it's about Gentiles. The mystery of the resurrection, it's about the resurrection. So we have the little preposition of that helps us understand the about part. Also, it helps us to understand the possession. The mystery of the church is what we know about this mystery that's revealed, that's known. The mystery of godliness. How we, the church, possesses, has godliness. You can go through all of that. The mystery of faith, the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of God. You know, the world likes to call God by different names. And uh, they get a little confused about maybe even... the the millions and the hundreds of millions that refer to God by a different name. And they forget that Jesus told us, call him Father. You know, a reference to God the Father and to uh, Jesus Christ the Son. So we have uh, the mystery of God that is a mystery to the world, but we know that. We possess that knowledge. Now, what do we do with that? Well, we're supposed to reveal it or make it known to the rest of the world. And we're doing this through our outreach. Uh, I've explained this before. This little Church of God congregation here in Tulsa, we have a part to do with Church of God Outreach Ministries that's reaching into over 100 countries through direct mail. And we don't know how many countries through the Internet because we don't always keep record of of all the things that they're uh, Uh, downloading and where they're going to the libraries and their little areas uh, around the other nations. Uh, We know they use computers and sometimes they like us to mail the hard copies of the literature to them because they can't afford to download it or to print it. They don't have the money to to print those articles so we spend 
tens of thousands of dollars, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, mailing information overseas to other nations, to over a hundred nations now that are hearing the gospel as a result of the internet and even more beyond that and, and as a result of our direct mailing, the magazines, the articles that we send that are exposing them to this truth. Well, one day, this, I hope that expands our thinking beyond just Tulsa, beyond just our congregation, to know that the church of God is expanding now in Christ in many nations, in many areas. There are congregations that keep the Sabbath, that keep the holy days, that understand the very same things that we understand, that are a part of the body of Christ. But there's only, if we take the world's population of billions, what is it, six, seven billion? Uh, who knows, what, what's the population? Little over seven billion. And uh, we see, we think uh, puny, maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of <clears throat> members of the body of Christ and the church of God. That's a small number. But it's growing. And during the millennium, it's going to expand. And then ultimately, during the great white throne judgment, it's really going to expand. So everyone will have an opportunity. Those that hear and know and understand, whosoever will of all, among all nations, can accept it. Those few, and it'll be the few that'll reject it, because some will, some won't believe it, some will reject it. And so, because of the revelation of truth to a few, and then to more, and then to more, and then to more, There'll be an end of the mystery, what God is doing in his purpose and his plan of salvation all through the uh, time of man on this earth, 6,000 years and ultimately 7,000. Well, let's go to a closing scripture back in the book of Ephesians. And we were there partially, but uh, I want to close with these verses because uh, they're very important. Ephesians, the first chapter, and we read part of this already here, but uh, verse 7 through verse 12. He's talking here about uh, uh, Christ and the predestination that's taken place and God's calling uh, to put us into the uh, relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, to the pleasure of his goodwill. Verse 7, in whom, that is in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works in all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ." And so, his great purpose and mystery of salvation is going to be completed in bringing all of us, Jew and Gentile, 
past, present, and future sons of man, women included, into Christ to his glory.